0: This is Carolyn Hawley. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory.
1: Game Plan for Life is brought to you by the following sponsors. Allen Marsh Travel Center, Access Heating and Air, St. Alphonsus Medical Center, Christian Brothers Automotive, Matt Bauscher and Terry Hefner, exceed your real estate goals. Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Idaho Independent Bank, the Idaho bank. Domino's, oh yes we did. Foot Dynamics, the place to go. Bronco Motors, trust is the bottom line at Bronco. And Grace Assisted Living, Grace
2: is the place. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Today on Game Plan, we have a special guest, someone that is going to give us a lot of takeaways and uh, some great information. His name is Dale Dixon, and uh, Dale has held a number of posts and positions. Uh, We're going to cover all that. He's written a book. But uh, first of all, Dale, welcome to Game Plan for Life.
0: Thank you so much, Coach. It is great to be here with you.
2: Well, Dale is is presently the chief innovation officer of the Better Business Bureau Northwest. Is that correct?
0: Soon to be Northwest
2: and the Pacific. Uh, oh, we're, we're, you're, you're, you're we're covering growing more into the Hawaiian Islands oh, as well. Wow. Yeah. Well, that boy, that I feel sorry for you. Have to I know. Over there,
0: <laughs> I've already had to make one trip and a few more on the on the docket. So well, I, it's tough. It's well. really tough
2: that's that's great, but Dale I think uh today we're gonna we're gonna talk about communication we're gonna talk about uh, uh, presenting we're gonna talk about speaking um, but first let's go back. I'd like to start back where you grew up and uh, tell us about that I love to say I'm a
0: farm kid from Idaho and uh, my parents are, are still here uh, grew up in Greenleaf Idaho went to Greenleaf Friends Academy for a number of years and just grew up on the farm and took away some amazing life experiences because of that. And uh, my mom and dad set an amazing example of what a husband and wife are supposed to be, what parents are supposed to be. And I grew up in that Uh, God-fearing household and learned about a relationship with Christ through that process. And then uh, my brother's still on the farm. He took Mm -hmm. over the farm. Farming wasn't my thing. I have this type A in control type of personality that uh, when you work hard and you watch that storm come through, that's a tough one uh, to handle. So I knew farming wasn't my gig and I got into the radio business in high school. Mm. Broadcasting. So, this is really a first love for me. Sure. This room uh, with the sound padded walls yep. and the microphone and, and the magic that happens uh, in capturing attention and telling a story, all of that is where it started for me in high school at a little radio station in Caldwell, Idaho, mm. as a farm kid. So, I, I learned the work ethic on the farm and it carried over to the broadcasting business.
2: Interesting. Interesting. So, from high school, What next?
0: Uh, Did a short stint at Boise State University trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do in the broadcasting industry and couldn't dial it in. And so I took a break and I went to work uh, for a ag publication doing video news for TV stations around the state of Idaho and got dialed in real quick. And mm-hmm. about nine months of doing that in Rupert, Idaho, I ended up at the University of Idaho and finished a degree in three and a half years, I th- finished a four-year degree in three and a half years. I was wow. laser focused on what needed to be done, had the game plan, Yep. Uh, for, <laughs> as, the, as the name of the program suggests, yeah. and then had a job waiting for me in Bangor, Maine. No kidding. Right there. And oh. uh, the most important part of that story is I met this amazing woman two months before I graduated college Mm -hmm. and knew I was heading to Maine. And so we did the long distance relationship. And back in those days, we uh, came to the point where you either had to buy stock in AT&T because of the long distance charges uh, or get married. And, and uh, so I
2: cheaper to get married, (laughs) (laughs) cheaper
0: to get married. I flew home, (laughs) we got married and I took her back to Maine. I don't think her family ever has forgiven me for that, (laughs) but you're back. But we're back. We're back in Idaho. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, that's that's interesting, Dale. And then from there, I know you were a public information officer in the city of Napa. Yeah,
0: Mayor Tom Dale brought me in to help start okay, that office.
2: Okay. And then you were also executive director of, uh, what is it, Idaho Rural Partnership? So Idaho Rural Partnership, this small hybrid agency,
0: public and private. And the private side was everything from uh, Monsanto to a little mom and pop bakery in Kamii, Idaho. Uh, business leaders who really worked hand-in-hand hand with uh, federal, regional, state, local government mm-hmm. to get things done quickly in Idaho. And mm-hmm. so I had a, an amazing opportunity in working with those leaders and leading that organization.
2: Mm. And then you became president CEO of the Better Business Bureau, Snake River. Yeah, at that, t- at
0: that point when I became CEO, it was just the basically Boise. It was Twin Falls over to... to okay. uh, Ontario, Oregon, Uh, we grew in that time and incorporated Idaho Falls into the mix. So we had a slice of Western Wyoming and all the way over to Eastern Oregon in and uh, it was called BBB Snake River Region. Mm -hmm. And I knew that we had to continue to grow in order to serve and have the resources to serve people that we needed and struck up a conversation with my neighbors in the Better Business Bureau system to the north and to the west. And we rolled everything into one BBB in early 2016, and we continue to grow and now are uh, going to be including Hawaii in the mix of Alaska, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, and Western Wyoming under the – one office of Better Business Bureau. Wow,
2: it sounds like a busy time. It is. Well, I, I, as I understand it, the vision of, of the Better Business Bureau is, is an ethical marketplace uh, where buyers and sellers can trust each other. So tell us about the mission. I know there's there's a number of things that you're, you're trying to accomplish there. Why don't you speak to that a bit?
0: The, the best story that illustrates what this is all about and, and the importance of BBB in the community starts with the head of marketing for Coca-Cola walking into the attorney's office the attorney for Coca-Cola and sliding a piece of advertising copy across the desk to the attorney and the attorney didn't even look at the piece of paper he just looked over the top of his glasses at the marketing guy and said nobody believes this stuff i'm not even going to waste my time looking at it hmm. and you know we're we're in the communication business sure. right now i think all of us are really ultimately in the communication business uh, but the the marketing VP for Coca-Cola saw just how close they were to losing this communication tool known as advertising. And from a marketing perspective and an advertising perspective, it was important. So he contacted his counterparts across the country at other big brands and they rallied together in the upper, um, upper Midwest, I don't remember if it was Chicago or Minneapolis, but it was one of those two cities. And they, uh, they had a meeting and they said, what are we going to do? Nobody believes our advertising. We've got snake oil sales. The advertising from that, that age is just hilarious to look at Mm -hmm. now because of the promises being made. And they said, why don't we put a set of standards together and govern ourselves to a set of standards and hold each other accountable to those standards? And out of that was born Better Business Bureau. Mm. It was for business by business to help business be better. Right. And specifically around advertising. And that's exactly what the organization is today. We're for business by business and a group of businesses that say we're going to live up to a set of standards to be honest, to be transparent, to safeguard the privacy of our customers and, and the public, we're going to be responsive. And they sign a document upholding those standards and then say, we're going to be held accountable through this community of mm-hmm. trustworthy businesses known as Better Business Bureau. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. So you did that for eight years. And then these last two years, why that's when you've been the chief innovation officer of the Northwest, soon to become.
0: Uh, with Hawaii. So, yeah. And it's... We here in, I, I love living in Idaho yes. because I just have, I, I count you as a good friend and we have, I have amazing people around me that yeah. that I like to surround myself with. And we have done some really cool things that have impacted the entire United States when it comes to to Better Business Bureau. And uh, one of those things is called Scam Tracker. So mm-hmm. a friend of mine, his name is Bryce Sloan. We were having lunch one day and he said, what if you could look at a map and see where scams are happening in real time? And Thought, wow, how do you even do that? And he literally built it for me sitting here at lunch in Boise. Mm. We launched it that afternoon at the office. No kidding. And uh, and now it is an international program that the uh, FBI uses, the Federal Trade Commission uses. People are identifying their, the scams, and it is a major tool uh, – throughout the United States and Canada now. Um, and it started right here in Boise, Idaho. So it was because of that, that I was tapped as chief innovation officer. And it's not me, it is just this amazing group of people that I am fortunate to know in the Boise area. And we come up with ideas to make the brand easier to use for people and more valuable to businesses.
2: Creative, that's great. Well, let's let's have you put your coaching hat on, Dale, okay. for, for a couple of minutes here and and coach us up on on all the scams and stuff that are going on out there the fraud stuff i mean we're all targets and possible victims so what would you say to help cut that down or eliminate what would be some important steps for each of us to help help us in that area
0: so let's think about human nature and I, I love having this conversation because you boil it down. A scam artist is a human being. Mm-hmm. And if I told you, you had to leave the radio station today and go home and do yard work, and I would give you a five-minute option to do yard work or a five-hour option to do the yard work, which would you take?
2: <laughs> five minutes you, for sure. You want
0: the five-minute job. Well, the scam artists are the same way. They want to do the work in in the quickest amount of time yeah. possible. So they're looking for an easy target. There's no way to 100% protect yourself from being the victim of a scam artist. They're looking for the right person at the right time in the right circumstances. So what we do is we eliminate the liabilities. Um, And and the first thing you can do is go in, and especially now after this Equifax breach, it is so important for all of us to be watching our credit report on a regular basis. Only one place to look at a credit report. That is annualcreditreport.com. Uh, whatever you do don't type a search don't type that into google you can only type that exact as i ty- type it exactly as i said into the address bar of your browser annualcreditreport.com and once there it's going to ask you for your social security number it's going to ask you for your date of birth, but if you know for sure that you're at annualcreditreport.com, you're okay to do that. on a, And it's a free service. It's a free service. In fact, it's the only service that the federal government says has to give you a free look at your credit report uh, through the each of the three agencies once a year. So we have Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. The idea is you're going to look at that credit report three times a year one for each of the credit reporting agencies. So I'm going to start today, go to annualcreditreport.com. I'm going to enter my information. I'm going to choose TransUnion and look at my credit report, looking for anything out of the ordinary. Right. Did Is there somebody buying a car in my name? I have never owned that car. I never take a, took a loan out for a car or a house that you never bought. Is there a credit that you have never signed up for, credit card in your name, and you're looking for anything out of the ordinary? If you see something out of the ordinary, that is a red flag that your identity has been been stolen and you need to act fast. right? Uh, and that's a whole radio show in and of itself. So number one, annualcreditreport.com, look at your credit report three times a year to protect yourself. Number two on the list, and I got this from a fraud investigator at a bank, and I asked him, what do you do to protect yourself? And he said, you know what? Every morning I get up, I have a bowl of plain oatmeal and dry whole wheat toast. Mm. And I look at all of my active financial accounts online. Yeah. I'm looking at everything to see if there's anything out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. So you're just checking and you're doing those checks uh, and all of your financial information, all of your life is online already. Sure, sure. Just when you look at it, be sure you do it with secure passwords and a secure internet connection. Don't go to a coffee shop and use free Wi-Fi. Next, don't answer the phone every time it rings. Right. And just because a phone number looks, makes you curious. You know, I say if, if something on the phone online in an email peaks your curiosity, what it ought to do is raise a red flag. So phone, email, web, if it creates curiosity in you that makes you wanna answer, open or click, don't, that's a red flag because that's the way a scam artist operates. If I'm going to email you coach, I'm gonna be very specific in the reason for the email and what it is. I'm asking you to do. If a scam artist emails you, they want to create an air of, uh, they wanna create curiosity in you.
2: Or an attraction.
0: An attraction. And they yeah. know human nature. And they know that if they can if they can create that air of mystery around the email, even if it is uh, from somebody you think you know, and it says, I have a very important document for you to look at. Yep. That is leading you down the road to installing malware yeah, on your yeah. computer. So we don't open every email that comes in. We don't answer every phone call that comes in. And then we're just aware of our surroundings to round out our top five on how to be what I call a five-hour person from the aspect of make it difficult. Make a scam artist have to work five hours to get a hold of you. And being aware of your surroundings is as easy as before you swipe a credit card at a gas pump. Have you ever noticed the tamper evident tape on a gas pump? And as I talk to audiences, most people say, no, I've never noticed it. While there is most of the time tamper evident tape on the front plate of a gas pump, just take enough time to look at it and see if it's there Mm -hmm. or if it's, if that plate is locked, if it's not, there's a chance there is a skimmer installed, a credit card skimmer installed in the backside of that, of that, uh, gas pump. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's just being aware of your surroundings, who's standing around you, who's watching, somebody following you, is somebody looking over your shoulder at an ATM, all of those things, we just need to be aware.
2: Can't be too safe. No. Got to be be in the know for sure. And I've noticed lately, too, that a lot of the calls now, people are, are using a 208 area code. Absolutely. And, and so instead of 888 or something else, why well, it's coming in now with a local area code.
0: And that's how scam artists create a level of curiosity in us. Here's the deal. Uh, and I tested this myself. Google has this product called Google Voice. And you and I can go out and get a phone number we want anywhere we want sure. and use it. I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to have a New York City area code phone number that spelled my name? and I had it in five minutes through Google Voice. Mm. There's also a service online you can buy called Caller ID Spoofing. Spoofing. Spoofing, meaning you can put any number you want on somebody else's caller ID when you call them. And I did this with a television news crew not too long ago and um, called them using their own phone number. (laughs) <laughs> so we just put the, the no, phone number no. up on the screen of the caller ID. So that's why you never believe caller ID. Right. And if it's important, somebody will leave a leave voicemail a message. message and then you can decide if it's, if it's worth your time to call back. But to answer the phone and tell a scam artist never to call again is like expecting a bank sure. robber to drive the speed limit in the getaway car afterwards. Right. Right. So they're, they're acting illegally already. They're not gonna follow the do not call list they're going to continue
2: to ply their crime and rip us off. Yeah, so we've got to be heads up. We've got to be smart about it. Absolutely. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that's great information, Dale. I want to talk a little bit now. Um, I know you've written a book called Sweating Bullets, and it's a story about overcoming the fear of public speaking. Obviously, we all probably, well, not all of us, but a lot of people are – Afraid to get up in front of a group of people, but yet even in everyday conversations, sometimes it, you know we get a little bit fearful, perhaps. Uh, so, give us some coaching points here. Put your coaching hat back mm. on and talk about sweating bullets and and how we overcome that fear of of speaking public speaking.
0: There is a, a college study that showed college uh, that that showed speaking in front of a group of people creates more anxiety than just about anything yeah. else for us and. There are a number of jokes around it, but bottom line, I, as as a broadcaster, as a news guy on TV, I had to stick a microphone in front of a lot of faces, ask a lot of questions. I spent a lot of time behind the desk on air with a live morning show for two hours, five days a week. And then through that process and putting the microphone in front of people's faces, watching the interviews, I saw that it created a lot of anxiety in people. And then I was in a, I was in an audience of about a thousand people. And I saw a tech executive get up in front of the group and start to speak and basically lose it, lose his train of thought, lost the words, didn't know what slide was coming up next in his Mm -hmm. PowerPoint presentation. And my heart just broke sitting there watching him in front of a thousand people basically implode. And out of that, I thought, how do I help people through that process that we've all dealt with? I know I've had my my times of freezing up on air and not performing at my best in front of a crowd. So what are some things we can do through that process? And I started looking at the books available and and there are a lot of how-to books, do this, do this, do that. And I thought, "I, I want something different that's easier to engage with. And so I took the lead of the Patrick Lencioni's in the world and I created a fable that starts with the story of this tech executive in front of a thousand people. And then how he meets an unlikely mentor through the process to get his brain around this idea of presenting. And so for all of us, from a coaching standpoint, it really starts with thinking about the audience first. How do I serve the audience? And and that gets us away from thinking about what will I look like if I'm the speaker? I don't want to be thinking, how will I be perceived? What will I say? What do people think about me? I wanna think about the audience first and how do I serve the audience? How do I bring something of value to the audience and and turn the paradigm so that we're focused on others as communicators? Mm-hmm. And when we approach it from that standpoint, we start internalizing a, a value proposition for the audience and not being worried about what people think about us. And that's a, that's a, just a first start in this process of being a better communicator. And I think that works in all walks of life. If I'm having a conversation yeah. with my wife, if I come at it from how can I better serve you, yep. taking 100% responsibility in this relationship, uh, the it opens up the lines of communication much more than if I go in thinking, how am I going to get what I want out of this? Mm-hmm. Or I'm worried what somebody's going to think.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dale tell us how how can a, someone get a copy of this book?
0: It's available on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and type in Sweating Bullets the book. Um probably would would uh you could find it with my name as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's out Dixon, and about yeah. yeah, Dale Dixon Sweating Bullets. It's uh, easily found. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
2: Um, so besides being speaker, author, you do trainer, but you have Dale Dixon media, right? Correct. Yes. You've got a website that people can go to and learn more about this. Give us that.
0: DaleDixonMedia.com. And, uh, it is, I help people be their best on stage in front of a camera and in front of a microphone. Mm -hmm. That's the whole idea of, of why that exists, taking all that experience that I gained and and was so fortunate to have in the broadcast world from my time as even a teenager up through the years, because this is a powerful communication medium yeah. and it will continue to be so. Right yeah. now it's a podcast, it's also on radio. There's, uh, I think there, it's the the equation now is that there are about six days of video loaded onto YouTube every minute. Yeah, exactly. So if you right. just set a stopwatch and stop it at 60 seconds, in that past 60 seconds, about six days of video was uploaded to YouTube. Wow. So there's no way for us to consume it all. And that's doing dangerous things to our attention span. That's a whole nother topic yep. uh, from a communication standpoint. But the idea is that video and audio are powerful communication tools. And especially when used right. Yeah
2: yeah communicating with confidence, good stuff. So Dale, I know you as a man of faith, um, what role has faith played through all of this?
0: Mm, it's so important. Uh, it's my identity, yeah, I would say. and um, it's important uh, as a as a guide for life, as a game plan for life it, it the the word is uh, the relationship is and i'm I'm really focused on that. How do I build that relationship? And um, be a reflection. Hmm. Once again, not about me. Right. So th- that sums it up uh, as as simply as possible. Uh, it's it's important for our family. I know we spend we're very intentional yep. about what that looks yep. like day yep. in and day out. Yep. We've got yep. two kids. 17-year-old son who's a senior in high school and a 15-year-old daughter who's a freshman in high school. Mm -hmm. And we want that relationship to be active and real for them, for them to see it. And um, it's fun to see um, God working in our lives when we submit to the plan. Yes,
2: yes. So well-spoken, well-spoken. Well, we've got a couple of minutes left, Dale, and and I know uh, recently you had an injury ah. and a story about that. I want you to share that that in the closing minutes.
0: So son, my son and I uh, enjoy riding motorcycles. I have a large, it's called an adventure bike. It goes on dirt, goes on the highway, and we were on the dirt uh, last May, and we were climbing an ATV trail, and my motorcycle went out from underneath me, and I went down and and it hurt. Mm. And I was down I could not get myself back up. My son came down and you know, before the sh- the, we started recording the show, we were, I was talking, it's not about the accident, but it was about the game plan right. that had been going in. So I knew that riding a motorcycle is dangerous and I'm always wanting to have that plan in yeah. place yeah. for how am I gonna handle something? And I thought, wow, this is an amazing opportunity to have my son witness the power of a plan and preparation through this process. And so we laid out the plan. Fortunately, we had cell phone coverage, people knew where we were. Mm -hmm. And so we started making the phone calls down the list, the people who knew where we were. I was pretty convinced that the injury wasn't that bad and that I could just have a couple friends come and pick me up. Uh, That was not Not the the case, not the case. And by the time we were done, it was a party up on the mountain with paramedics, and fire and rescue personnel from two counties and, (laughs) and friends all over the place. It (laughs) it drew a crowd. And when all was said and done, I had spiral fractured my tibia, tibia and fibula and fractured my ankle. So, uh, it's. I'm still in rehab, yeah. uh, literally through that process. But it was. It was interesting because e- even the paramedic on scene said, "How are you keeping your heart rate so low?" Mm-hmm. And I'm a data nut. I've got a Apple Watch on, and I'm always watching heart rate and fitness levels and yep, everything else. Yep, and. Yep. And I was thinking, if I keep my calm through this process, yes, it hurts, but I'm going to be able to think more clearly, be a better example for my son through this process, because at some point he's going to be involved in a crisis. And you, I mean, you know, when you're working with a group of young men yep. as a coach, yep. you want to equip them to to handle whatever life throws at them. And you I bet. thought this is a great example of we've planned, we've prepared now it's time to execute. Yep. And what's it going to look like right. as we work through this crisis?
2: How we handle adversity. How, how we
0: handle the adversity of this. Yeah. So um, I was I was glad it happened to me and not him. And I was glad that it was that learning opportunity. It was a learning opportunity for me to see how I could process something. I'd never had a broken bone before, especially three of them at the same time. And, uh, and just work through that process. And at the same time, Just keep my head. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Great. Great story. Great, great lesson there. Well, Dale, it's been a joy to have you um, with us today. and We just want to thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Folks, you can go to DaleDixonMedia.com and learn more about them. Uh, This is an important topic I think all of us can benefit from. So again, Dale, thank you. Keep up the great work. Thank
1: you. Game Plan for Life is brought to you by the following sponsors. Albertsons, it's just better. Dutch Brothers of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. Therapeutic Associates, physical therapy, your partner in health. Bacon, you gotta love it. Mass Mutual, we'll help you get there. The Eagle and the North End 76 and on the fly service stations on Collister and State, all family owned and Idaho grown. Hendrickson's fine jewelry. McDowell's specialty repair. And Summer's Funeral Home. Every life leaves a legacy.
0: Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. Have a great weekend, and remember: no game plan, no victory.